Hello, guess what? Yes. It's me. The number one automated answering service for Living Truthfully podcast. Obviously Amani Moranga and Super Producer are not in. But, don't worry. I am here. Now. They told me to tell you that your message is very, very, important to them. So now your message will be answered to in the order in which it was received. Your message is number. Wow. 8247. Whoa. I am so like shocked right now. Dude. Are you still there? Okay, for whatever reason you called. My advice is. Please hang up the phone, start screaming, and run to the nearest hardware store. When you get there. Ask them for a cheeseburger. Like a big cheeseburger. This probably won't help you, but you'll always have something to laugh about when you think about leaving a message with us. Ha ha ha. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time it is, wherever you are. Welcome to Living Truthfully, episode 55. Yes, we are still doing this and we are continuing with the conversation about male friendships. Wow, what a journey it has been. I've had my friends in studio. I promise you that I'll bring my boys and... What? Let me just say, those have been some of the most vulnerable conversations I've had. Because these are people whose opinions I actually care about. But I want to thank them all that have been here. Ted, Monge, Gowi, uh, Gerald, Kanji. Just thank you so much. And all the feedback that you've given me uh, about this series, man. I, when I never know whether the content is right until I hear back from you. And I cannot begin to thank you enough for the feedback that you've given me and the affirmation that you've given me today. Now, you guys know that I do this podcast with the help of a super producer. His name is Lee Kanyotu. And one of the things that Lee does, apart from make this podcast look sound, you know, fantastic like it does, um, Lee has a way of just finding articles and, you know, just things and information that is relevant to the conversations that we have. And, uh, Actually, sometime last year, he brought to my attention this guy. Uh, he's a pastor. Um, he's called Drew Hunter from Indiana in in the States. And Pastor Drew Hunter has written the book Made for Friendship, the Relationship that Halves Our Sorrows and Doubles Our Joys. Uh, and he, the article I think that Lee found was Why is Friendship Hard for Men? And, and the article has a subtitle saying five ways to build stronger relationships. You can find it online on his website, desiringgod.org. So we called uh, Pastor Drew Hunter uh, because Lee is just that guy. He gets the contacts, he emails the guys like, yeah, we, were, we, are, we know we are an African podcast. And he just has a way of packaging that conversation that makes people want to talk to us. And so, yes, we called Pastor Drew Hunter. He was gracious enough. Actually, after two maybe failed attempts at, at, at getting the right time, he was gracious enough to um, just take a call and have a conversation about male friendships. And so, here goes. How to make this friendship stronger from a man who's actually researched it. Take a listen. Good, whatever time it is, wherever you are, Drew, what time is it? 
It is about one o'clock in the afternoon for me. One o'clock in the afternoon. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast, Living Truthfully. Welcome to a man conversation. I want you to introduce yourself a little bit, uh, Mr. Mr. Drew Hunter, and tell us who you are and what you do and, and where you are in the world. Sure. Yeah. So I am in the state of Indiana in America. I live just near the city of Indianapolis. Oh, fantastic. And I live here with my wife and we have four sons. They're all under the age of 10. So our home life is pretty fun and full right now. Oh, good stuff. How old are your children? They are nine, eight, seven, and three. Oh, wow. What happened between seven and three? Don't answer that. Okay. We hit I'm, we <laughs> hit the pause button because the first three that close together yes, was quite a so bit. close, man. I thought it was nine, eight, seven, six. Right. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been pretty hard. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of fun and I live um, here as a pastor. So I'm a pastor of a church um, in the area. And so a lot of wonderful people get to interact with and spend time with through through the week. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Drew, for agreeing to come on board. Uh, my producer, Lee, reached out to you. Lee uh, reads a lot of stuff online and he came across an article that you wrote about male friendships. And he said, you know what? We need to have a conversation with this guy. And I want to go straight into it and say, you know, why are male friendships important? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, you know, male friendships, part of the larger category, just friendship and community and connection mm. is really essential to really what it means to be a, a human being and to flourish as a human. Yeah. And so men in particular certainly need this. You know, we weren't we weren't made to go through life as um, just kind of an, in an individualistic way on our own. You know, one of the greatest joys in life is the deep friendship and community we can experience with others. You know, when we go through great suffering, it's often the presence and the close friendship of others who get us through there and help us and give us wisdom and uh, comfort through that process. There's a host of reasons why real community is tied to really our overall sense of happiness uh, in life and are flourishing in life. And so, you know, men, I think in our cultures today are really struggling to find this deep connection. And there's, there's no surprise that it's often, you know, right with that is connected to lower levels of just happiness and a sense of um, purpose through, through life. I've researched you a bit and have, you know, most of the conversations that I've seen you write about are about friendships and about community uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen you write about even friendships in marriage, you know, and, and yeah. I was I was wondering like why why is the sense of community strong for you as a person, you know why 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 did you go for this particular you know topic or subject? Yeah, there's probably a collection of reasons um, that, that came together at a, in a certain season of my life that made this become really important to me. Okay. So one of them would be, you know, just personally, um, I've been so enriched by the deep friendships that I've had. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I was intentional to a degree with these friendships, but I realized that I I was taking them for granted at some level. And so I realized how thankful I really needed to be and was for these friendships when I was noticing in our culture, at least where I live, 
Um, and it seems to be true globally um, right now that there really is this steep decline in real friendship. So I was reading studies about, you know, sociology studies, you know, social isolation is one of the hottest topics right now and it's growing. And I was reading, you know, studies where people would survey thousands of people and find out that, you know, 50% or more said that no one knew them well. Not a single person really knew them well in their view. And something like 40% of people in one um, survey said that their relationships that they had in life were not meaningful. So I realized that I was so grateful for what I had and that what I had was being missed by, you know, over half of the people are are self-indicating that they really don't have people who they can confide in, people who know them, people who they spend time with. Um, So culture, there really is this um, epidemic or, or crisis right now in friendships. And then the two other things that came together as I started thinking about this mm-hmm. was, you know, I would have hoped that, you know, I'm part of a religious community. I'm part of yeah. a, a Christian church. I would yeah. hope that the relationships in a church would be really deep and yeah. thick and kind of be an alternative to mm-hmm. the decline in our culture. Yeah. But I was finding that while there was an emphasis on community in general and larger groups, that people could still be a part of those communities and still not really be known. At a, at a level that deepen their mind and heart, um, and still really go through life uh, without rich relationships and meaningful friendships. So that was um, kind of eye-opening for me to consider. And then, so I went to the Bible just to consider what does the Bible actually have to say. And I was kind of surprised just at how striking a couple places in the Bible talked about the significance and importance of friendship, like the book of Proverbs in the Bible mm-hmm. and things that Jesus even said about himself being a true friend and making his followers his friends. So I was, those things together made me realize there really is a need for us to think deeply about friendship and not rely on a superficial understanding of, of friendship, but recognize how central it is how much this really is missing in our life. Um, and, and I found that as I started talking to my own friends about this, people would say um, that once they started thinking about it for even a few minutes, they realized, you know, I, I thought I understood friendship, but I realized I had never really thought deeply about it or intentionally about it. Mm-hmm. And I really am not actually as good of a friend as I had assumed I was now that I'm really thinking about it. Um, so that's what really put, put the desire in me to, to think about this well and to talk about it with others yeah. and to really encourage uh, friendships to flourish. I, I'm wondering what, the, what has caused the decline in the you know, connections, just making real human connections. What's, what's really causing that decline that we now have 50% of people saying that they don't have you know, meaningful connections? Right. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really important question to find out what's happened because you know, in many in many different cultures or eras, I'm sure that there was um, there's always a need to develop close friendship and to yeah. work on things mm-hmm. um, relationally. But there really is this decline, and so it's a great conversation to even just have with friends. Just ask people what what you think. So, from my my sense and study, it seems like a few factors have really come together for decline in friendship and friendship among men in particular. Mm-hmm. And um, a few of them would be one is just an overall sense of busyness in life. Okay. Um, and I think tied to the busyness is our sense of individualism so that we, we want to succeed in, in a vocation or with work, mm. but then that requires so much time. And then if you also have a family, 
um, then you recognize that that's a priority. And so by the time you have work responsibilities fulfilled and time with family, there's not much left. And a lot of guys feel like they really just need to take whatever's left and, and have kind of personal time. And so there really isn't much time left for friendship. It, it, even if they value it to some degree that it's hard to prioritize it. So I remember having a conversation with some guys who were in their 20s and 30s and I asked them what, what came to my, their mind when they thought about friendship. And one guy just said, you know, that used to be nice. That's a strange response. Yeah. That, that used to be nice. Yeah. And it does show, I think, that what's going on with men, once they reach their mid-upper 20s and 30s, friendship really does start to decline in their lives. And that can continue on throughout the rest of, of life. And so I think men in particular need to think about their own story of friendship and why what what's happened in their own lives to push that to the margins or off altogether and so i think with men another reason for the decline in friendship is our view of masculinity has shifted as well mm -hmm. so in in previous eras and cultures masculinity had this combination of toughness and tenderness mm. and you know that there wasn't an uncomfortability yeah. with affection or even affectionate language or telling a friend you know i love you brother i'm so glad to see you yeah. i respect you here's why i admire you i missed you you know those that kind of language now can feel really uncomfortable because we we don't have a category of masculinity that has a place for it so we get yeah. very uncomfortable with it's, it it's been, it's been robbed it's been robbed of us and yeah and at the same time we've sexualized love yeah and so we can't really imagine people that have a really close loving affectionate relationship and imagine that sexuality wouldn't be a part of that somehow and that can even just make make people who who recognize that you can have affectionate relationships without it being sexualized it can make them nervous to express affection because they'll be misunderstood yeah um and and so it causes us really to pull back from from affectionate language, encouraging language, um, maybe even spending time together uh, too much. And then right alongside that, um, at least the men that, that I've spent time with and I had an issue with this in the past too, is just our style of communication can be very um, surfacy and superficial and often critical and sarcastic. Yeah. And so we'll talk about sports, we'll talk about work, we'll talk about general things. And even in there, we'll be kind of making fun of each other and joking. And I think there's a place for for a certain kind of joking and, and yeah. friendly yeah. banter. Mm -hmm. But if you fill your language, your, your relationship with sarcasm, and you don't give affirmation and encouragement, really over time, people, we can wonder if our friends really do respect us or care about us. In fact, I was going to ask you. And then there's you, no room for encouragement. I was going to ask you if, if you think, you know, the bullying is a, is a necessary part of male friendship. Yeah, I, I certainly think we got to be careful. We, we have definitely swung the pendulum toward, um, yeah, tearing each other down, mm. uh, certainly bullying, um, or just being so quick to make a witty, funny comment at a friend's expense. And everyone laughs and that person laughs. But really, over time, you can really feel discouraged and beat down and guarded and not safe with each other. Yeah. Um, and so I think it'd be great to swing the pendulum back the other way. And, you know, I've never, I've heard one, one person say he's never met a person who's been too encouraged, um, wow. which is true. So I just yeah. think let's, let's just go all out with 
honoring each other, expressing esteem for one another, encouraging each other, and really try to have some self-control, even if we think it's funny in the moment, with with comments that that tear each other down. Uh, that's such a good perspective, and thank you for sharing it. My, I'm wondering, do male friendships threaten marriages and relationships? Um, you know, that whole going out to the boys culture, just a space that where male friendships could be cultivated. Do you think that's threatening to marriages? I think it's really important that as we recover male friendship, we also recover a strong sense of friendship within marriage. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's threatened and, and a wife would rightly feel hurt if the husband does not view his wife as a true friend or even the truest friend. And therefore, to spend time when when work is already maybe taking up a lot of time, to spend time leaving um, a family or a wife, to spend time with um, other friends while neglecting the relationship in a marriage, that really can be damaging. Um, and so we really need a both-and approach here. We need to uh, pursue true friendship and marriage and honoring and expressing esteem um, and encouragement with our wives as men, and then also... Um, have space to grow in true friendship with other men. So I think in, in my marriage, we've talked a lot about this, and we're regularly talking, uh, my wife and I, about getting time together, but then also where how can we free each other up to enjoy friendship mm. um, outside of our marriage? I mean, yeah. either as couples or just you know going going to express experience friendship outside of it. So even this weekend, um, my wife is going to take off for an overnight trip with a few friends just mm -hmm. to just to get away and enjoy friendship. And and what I found is that that ends up being really an enriching experience for our marriage. Mm -hmm. She's more refreshed and encouraged with these friends. She has stories to share with me, and the same goes for when she frees me up to go be with um, friends. You know, I I take a an extended weekend trip with a number of um, friends every year. Mm -hmm. And um, my wife is encouraging of that because she sees that I come back a better man because I'm with friends who are encouraging and, and um, wise and helpful to me as a man. And, you know, it, it enriches our, our marriage. So, um, so I think, I think it's really important then to do both of it. Um, friendship within marriage and outside at the same time. Tell me a bit about your friends and maybe how you've over time cultivated you know, the male friendships that you have in your life. Yeah, and I'm, I'm certainly um, not perfect and constantly trying to grow, and which is why friendship really requires a lot of grace yeah. and patience with each other and, for, and forgiveness. I will often return a phone call way late. In fact, right now as I'm talking, I realize I have two friends who have <laughs> left me voicemails um, a week or so ago, and I have not returned it yet. So my first thing will be to just apologize, you know, Um we're not calling them back. And so I think that's that's part of a way that cultivating is just apologizing for um, being absent. But a few of the key ways that that um, I've strengthened and, and been able to have strong friendships with friends are to do a couple things. One is to establish some rhythms or patterns for our friendships. So not just waiting for a perfect season of life or an occasion to get together, but really planning and scheduling time together. So I just, a, an hour ago, sent an email response to three friends um, about getting together in a few weeks. I live three hours away from them now because I moved, which that can be hard for friendship, but we've just committed to several times a year, three or four times, 
uh, I'll drive up and just spend an evening with them. We'll have a fire, we'll have a dinner, we'll have a great time together. And so we just have committed to having this pattern of every three months or so, we'll get together. Um, and then closer friends, I'll make sure that I have a, a regular rhythm to get together as well. So um, every other Monday, I have a friend that I grab coffee with and we connect throughout the week other times, but this is a, a regular meeting to make sure that we have this pattern of getting together and talking about the serious and important things of life. You know, how how is our marriages going? How is How are we feeling about our work? How are we um, growing in our relationship with God? And um, and then we just try to talk, talk honestly and openly about ways in which we struggle. So getting those rhythms and patterns can be really important. My wife and I also have this pattern of um, once a week, usually on a Wednesday night, we just have that night um, separated for, we just call it hospitality, where we just want to make sure we're inviting people into our home so we can enjoy a friendship together. Um, That's cool. I'm, I'm waiting for my invite. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're you're welcome to come. Let's get that. Actually, that would be fantastic. I'd love to, to cross paths with you um, at some point. So, and I have, yeah, phone calls. I have a pattern of um, when I'm driving home from work or I have a little bit of a longer commute, mm -hmm. I just use that time not just to listen to other things or music, but to call a friend. Um, so those are those are a few key ways that, that I've tried to maintain these relationships through everyday life um, and getting together with people and then even just getting together with people that I don't see much because we don't live close. So I mentioned even earlier, we have this extended weekend trip. Um, we call it Mawalo, mm -hmm. which stands for Men's Extended Weekend Adventure Liberation Organization. Um, just for just for fun. I love it. Um, yep. And so we've been doing it for 17 years or so, where a group of us, about 10 or 13 of us, can make it each time, where we just pick a place wow. that we can meet for about three days, and we'll go hiking or camping or canoeing and just get that time together. And then we try to stay in touch through the year and different ones of us are closer friends, but that's really been an anchor in our lives that's been so important where we just leave technology aside and just get out in nature and time with each other. Um, so that's been, that's been a great rhythm. And now a word from our sponsors. If you would like to sponsor or advertise on our podcast, Living Truthfully, reaching audiences just like you, please contact us on livingtruthfully at themoneymedia.com. That's livingtruthfully at t-h-a-m-a-n-i-media.com. Thank you, and we are looking forward to partnering with you in adding value to our listeners' lives. And now, back to our story. You know, in your, in your article, you, you talk about you know, making uh, diving your conversations a little deeper. So you say mm -hmm. drop each conversation one notch deeper, and and I find myself wondering how do you cultivate vulnerability in male friendships? It can be really awkward, you know, being the guy who says, "Okay, so guys, um, I I don't think our relationship is deep enough, so I'm gonna." drop a bomb or something i'm struggling with right like how like how what's 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 a what's a tip you could give on just how to create a safe space for vulnerability and actually develop or cultivate some vulnerability in male friendships yeah so there's a few things that come to mind one is in general in conversations i think there's a really great easy step that every man can take that would take 
any conversation a little bit deeper and closer to the things that, that really matter in life and closer even to the areas where we can be vulnerable. And that is just to learn to ask a few good questions and mm-hmm. be ready with asking a question in a conversation. So if we're having a conversation with someone and it usually um, is about sports or work in general or something that's more on the surface, those are great conversations. But we we can take that conversation a, a few notches deeper with just asking a question like, what's on your mind these days? Mm. You know, because that that we usually have important things that we're thinking about or wondering about or curious about, you know, so what's on your mind or um, what's been exciting or encouraging to you lately? And then the follow-up question to that is, has there been anything really discouraging um, in your life recently? So I even build that into our family dinner conversations to foster that kind of openness. We all go around and just share, you know, what was encouraging and we're thankful for today. And then what was really discouraging um, today. So doing that in friendships as well. So I think having a few just go-to questions that take conversation deeper will help encourage that that kind of depth. And then there's a couple other things. One would be identifying one, two, or three people in your life who you, you sense really are the closest friends that you have mm-hmm. and learning to just get together in that rhythm to, to talk more deeply about things. So I mentioned I have that friend that I meet with every other week or so. And, and part of that is we've just learned to ask those kinds of questions. And then we now have a few questions that we always ask and, and talk about together. You know, how, how's your marriage going? We know each other's struggles. We ask about those. Um, we ask how we're encouraged or discouraged. And then over time, doing that every other week, week for a few years now, that really ends up being a place where we can share anything with each other because we've we've learned that we can trust each other. We're not going to overreact. We're going to encourage each other. Um, so that's one another thing. And then, then the final thing would be to not be afraid to take the lead in being vulnerable and open. It can be kind of risky because you don't know how people will respond. But I think just learning to be, to feel comfortable and okay with letting people know that you're not always okay. And and being the first to say, hey, here's something that I'm discouraged about, or here's, you know, I kind of feel almost embarrassed to say it, but I've been really anxious about this. I know it may sound kind of, you know, silly or not a big deal, but to me, I'm just realizing it is. And so I wanted to share that with you. Do you have any advice for me? You know, just learning to be open in those conversations really models for people that that you're the kind of person that they can actually be safe with to open up with their own struggles. Because you recognize you have them as well. And then when they do share it, you know, don't just say, whoa, that, that is weird. You have a problem. But, you know, ask questions. Don't overreact. Draw them out. Encourage them. Um, I think that, that can go a real long way into helping us get open. That's really cool, man. Thanks for the tips and thanks for the questions uh, that you've given. I, I, I like the questions that you're asking uh, or, or that, that you've given that we can ask for, you know, to help build vulnerability. I have a have a I have a random thought, right? Uh, and I think that is is very unique to men. Is uh, we often confuse mentorship relationships into friend uh, uh, with friendships. Yeah, you know, I, I find that often a man is happy to go to another man if they need advice, if they need guidance into you know, or some form of mentorship, and they are happy to do that with. You know, people that they could mentor, or you know, like I'm, I, I'm happy to take on a young guy that I could mentor, but it's different mm-hmm. from trying to forge intimate relationships with with my peers. You know, mm-hmm. that has it's yeah. not that has no mentorship element to it. It's just a pure friendship for the sake of friendship. Um, mm-hmm. How how can you help us? You know, distinguish maybe not just distinguish, but 
you know, be able to move ourselves from just relationships that are transactional, in a sense, to, to relationships that are built for friendship, just for friendship? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in, in a lot of ways, we really have rightly identified different kinds of relationships, like yeah. peer relationships, mentor relationships, and so forth. Um, or accountability relationships is language that some would use, but I think we we can sometimes overdo it by making those these isolated categories mm-hmm. as though friendship is really for uh, getting time together and laughing and, and um, sharing interests together, and accountability relationships are about being vulnerable with where we struggle, and mentorships are where we get and give advice, and really, I think what we need to do is start overlapping those a lot more, and so um, for a mentor relationship that really the best mentoring relationships should also be developing into true friendship. And, um, you know, one of a close friend of mine, you know, I'm, I'm 36 right now, Mm -hmm. close friend of mine is about 80 years old. Um, and so I, there is a certain sense in which he is way down the road from me and I learn from him, but we also view each other as friends and we have a great time together and we'll get together, um, for meals with families and things like that. And so there really is this great overlapping um, encouragement and growth there with friendship. And then I think with our peer relationships, if we learn to talk more deeply and encourage and seek wisdom and get advice from one another, um, those really can be we're recognized. We can recognize that we're actually mentoring each other in the ways that we're strong, you know, so someone might be, be giving me great advice as a friend in some area because he has a lot more wisdom than I do, yeah. but I have that wisdom for him as well. Um, and so those can be more mentoring on a peer level as well. But yeah, as I said a moment ago, we also should have friendships across the generations and that those can be really close as well. So I think it's just key to share life, have meals together. Meals are just such a great way to break down any barriers and to create a safe space for deep conversations with mentors or friends. And then also just to have rich communal sharing times together. What would the world look like without male friendships? Wow, what a question. Um, it would be, I, I think, without true friendship, we would be a lot more lonely, we'd be a lot more sad, and we would probably be making a lot more foolish decisions because we really need each other mm. uh, to grow in wisdom and protect ourselves from our own foolish thinking often, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm the king of foolish decisions. <laughs> uh, the world saw a bromance between Obama and Biden. And I think mm-hmm. in, in many ways we admired the friendship that they have. Um, yeah. And, and so the, the, the flip side of that question is, you know, what, what would the world look like when we have strong male friendships? Yeah. What do, you yeah. think, what do you think that world would look like? Well, it would certainly be, I mean, the word that comes to my mind, uh, or the two words is just joyful flourishing, right? Mm-hmm. I just going through life with a greater sense of confidence, stability, hope, because we, we know that we have people who know us, who love us, who are there for us in our greatest moments of suffering. Um, and it's a great sense of purpose and where we're, we're encouraging others and seeing them grow and flourish and be encouraged, um, and just great joy, even through all the sorrows of life, this rich 
joy of friendship. So there was one pastor in the 1800s named J.C. Ryle Mm -hmm. who once wrote, he said, this world is a dark place. It's a depressing place. It's a lonely place. And the brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. And um, that's just such an encouraging picture for its realism and its hope, right? It's realistic because this is a a broken, sad, discouraging (laughs) life so often. Life is very hard, but one of the brightest sunbeams in it is a friend. And so, you know, one of the things that I've been so encouraged by is how, um, you know, as a pastor, I spend a lot of time in the Bible. And so the Bible's pages open up with um, this vision of, of the God is a, a triune God of communal love, Father, Son, and Spirit, eternally existing in a friendship of sorts, creating humanity in his own image. And then when he created humanity, he started with Adam. And before sin or entered the world or anything was wrong, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. And so I think that really is a statement of what male friendship would be like without um people and and rich relationships it's really just not good and when we do have rich friendships that's when we can flourish with great joy um, in life and in communities and in cities and in towns i mean think of the political divides that are that are going on at least in my country would we would go a long way toward healing this if we would get off the internet shouting things at people we don't uh, people we don't know and and sit across the table and seek to understand each other and appreciate each other, even if we completely disagree about about certain political decisions. Wow. You know, the, the, I, there's a scripture that says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm often fascinated by that it says brother, you know, because it, it, hmm. it, you know, it, there's a there's a connotation about the bond of brotherhood yeah. and what that friendship then looks like, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, last question, and I'm ask, I'm only asking this to you because you're a pastor. Uh, do yeah. you think Jesus was trying to tell some uh, something when he had like twelve guys hanging out with him? That's a yeah, that's a great um, observation. You know, Jesus didn't come and just wander around alone. He gathered together around him twelve men, and that there were three of them that were even closer to him: James, yeah. John, and, and Peter. Peter. And then. In the Gospel of John, we, we learn that John himself was probably Jesus's closest friend. Yeah, and um, and then he called. It's it's so striking that on the night before Jesus was crucified, he gathered his disciples together, had a meal with them, opened his heart and was vulnerable with them and encouraging to them. And he said, "No longer do I call you servants; I have called you friends." And then he said. Uh, right at that same time, he said, the greatest act of love possible is that a man would, someone would lay down his life for his friends. And then, then he says, I've called you friends. Because what he was doing there is he was affirming to them that he's not just in a servant master relationship with them, though that's true. His disciples are servants. Followers of Jesus are, you know, they view him as a master. But he's saying that there's a greater privilege there as well. He's calling us his friends. And that when when Christians are to see the what happened um, on the cross, this great act of love, we're to see Jesus dying for his friends, right? Dying in their place for their sins that they might be rescued forever into friendship forever. It's just an incredible um, way of understanding really the heart of what Christianity is. So as a pastor, 
that's just really encouraging to me because it means the message that I'm communicating so often is really at the heart of it, a message of love and friendship rooted in God himself befriending us. Hmm. I love that so much. Um, I I know I said that was going to be the last question, but I just wondered what happens to someone who has been betrayed, someone who has failed in connecting before and you know someone who struggles to make real male connections as a guy now what encouragement would you give him yeah well a few things so first um to to men who have struggled to make connections or have been betrayed you're certainly not alone the world is um filled with with broken friendships i have uh, pain in my own life and i know people close to me do and so you're not alone even though it might see like it seem like so many others are really flourishing in friendship, the statistics would say that that's actually not happening. And so when you're in a room with five people, you can bet that in general, two or three of them are actually really um, wishing that they had closer connection with people as well. Um, Another thing that comes to mind is that there are really intentional steps that you can take to just keep, keep at it and keep trying. Um, you know, asking these kinds of questions that are deeper, trying to connect with people um, in with rhythms over a meal, maybe. And then also, I think the the best advice that 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 really there is for friendship is it's most important not to think about uh, getting good friends, but being a good friend. And so really, you know, walking into a room and thinking, who might need my friendship? Who can I encourage? Who can I build up? Who might be lonely? Who might be having a hard time? And then seeking to be that true friend to that person um, I think that actually does lead to true friendship, but but either way, that's really the posture we want to have is how can we be used to help so many others who are suffering and broken um, in, the, in their friendships? And then I think if you've experienced um, betrayal in friendship, that really does take, it's painful and it does take um, a long time to heal. There may be an opportunity to seek that person out and express that and offer forgiveness if that's wanted. Um and uh, but it also is important to to maybe try to try to heal and close that that season of life and then step out ahead to a new day um, seeking to be a friend um, with others you've written a book made for friendship the relationship that halves our sorrows and doubles our joys um is, is this something that you talk about extensively in this book how we how we build these friendships yeah i'm trying in that book what i'm trying to do is is both be encouraging and motivating by giving us a big vision of what real friendship is and what it's all about and why it's important, but also get really practical um, with how do we actually do this? How do we cultivate it in our life? You know, it's, it's like a garden. You need some some tips and advice and, and go-to strategies to make a garden flourish and not just be overcome by weeds and things like that. And so, yeah, my hope is to, to take some things that I've learned and put into practice in my life and learn from others and, and share those with other people that they might might put those into practice as well. I just encourage you, I think this is really relevant. I'm actually, I'm just thinking my kids went to a new school this term. And they're both struggling with uh, making friendships. And this might be an excellent book for us to read with its practicality on how to, you know, nurture uh, friendships. Mm -hmm. And and so I I think it's really relevant. And thank you. Thank you for writing this book. 
Yeah, you're welcome. And I think, you know, that that could be a good step is to just grab grab a copy of a book for yourself and a friend or someone in your family or a son. And yeah, read through that together. I have questions at the end of each chapter to even foster conversation because that could even be a good context to be talking about the things that really matter in life. So... Pastor Drew Hunter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for taking, you know, about 30, 40 minutes of your afternoon to just uh, hang out with us and talk to two strangers from Nairobi. And we certainly now, you know, consider you our friend. Thank you yeah, so much for your friendship. It's, and been, it's been my pleasure. Really, really enjoy getting to know you and um, and hope that many friendships form as a result of um, thinking about friendship together and um, as a result of the conversation. You and me both. Uh, please pass our heartfelt regards to Christina and to your four boys. And I pray that what you're trying to do in terms of just fostering community uh, grows and become and catches like wildfire because the world needs it. Oh, thank you very much. I will. God bless you and goodbye. Thank you so much. Sir. Likewise. All yep. Right. Bye. Bye. I can't tell you how important this conversation on male friendships is. This series that we've just done has really opened up my eyes to what successful a successful male experience could look like. You know, there's a part of scripture that talks about iron sharpening iron. And it's in, in a way, it's saying that you sort of need your ilk, your kind, to be able to sharpen you. If we ever do anything important, for me, I think that this particular series is it saying dude build great vulnerable safe male relationships around you you will never regret it thank you so much for listening thank you lee for making this conversation happen this is truly your topic and thank you my boys for coming through yeah next week we start something new god bless you see you next week.